0: Hey guys, TJ here. I'm gonna keep this one short because it's a very long episode, but I think you're gonna get a lot out of it if you're in the season of awakening, if you're in that season of um, recognizing that there are things changing, maybe even from the inside out. Uh, You feel the disconnect maybe from how you're living and what's happening inside, and you recognize that there's a need to actually change maybe the choices that you're making with the people, places, practices, things that you're um, doing, the places you're going, the people you're surrounding yourself with. And I want to speak to you specifically as I'm talking on this specific episode about the last 10 years for me, trying to help close the gap for anybody who's been kind of like from a distance and saying, man, what's TJ talking about when he's um, mentioning this or that and the other? Because keep in mind, if you're just joining this journey, like I was on a totally different path and trajectory not long ago, like six years ago. And God really was working inside of me that whole time as inner conflict was growing, as I was recognizing I needed to like give my life to him and let him be my authority rather than other people's expectations for me. So I talked to all that. And I also help you understand that, you know, the people of your past are meant to be honored by your growth. I think a lot of people limit themselves uh, from growing which by the way, like growth happens, whether we like it or not, we have to proactively make a choice about what that growth is gonna look like. So be proactive, make that growth positive and recognize that your growth should be a positive reflection of the people that have been a part of your life. So I hope that's encouraging. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. This is gonna be on my personal Facebook account, which I don't really use my personal Facebook account that much at least until recently and um and I wanted to do this catch up on the last 10 years specifically over the last um few weeks I really feel like God's been asking me to do this and just speaking to me about hey you know you kind of have this gap this this whole group of people who who once knew you and I think something just a quick nugget for you right now is if somebody knew me yesterday, they don't know me today, right? Because I'm not the same person I've been. I'm always changing and growing. And so I think that's important for you to understand, you know, just in your life as you're changing and growing. Um, that's something that took me a long time to realize that we all have a choice to change and grow and who we've been is not who we are. Um, and if we're, if we're trapped by our past, we can never have a plat- platform for the message that God has. And so I think, um, you know, you, you definitely have to find healing and freedom and peace and all those things. But uh, for me personally, just the journey that I've been on, I've, um, I've had a lot of people that have been in my life that I've just maybe lost touch with, um, haven't been engaged with. And I would say in the last 10 years especially, as I've had so much change for me personally, uh, this, this message is for anybody, really, who's going through their journey, maybe at a point of an awakening. Uh, maybe they've realized that something in their life needs to change. Maybe something's terribly wrong, and you don't even know what it is. Maybe um, to the world, nothing looks wrong, but inside, uh, you know something's wrong. Um, you know, for me, I'll kind of summarize this with, with one point way back in 2009, one story. And I remember I was, this was, must have been 2008 or 2009. And I came home. It was during college break. And I remember I was at my kitchen table, or my parents' kitchen table. And I just completely, I just completely broke down, completely lost it. Um, I was like, I was a mess. And I was uncontrollably crying. I, I couldn't get it together. I had no idea what was really going on inside of me. I didn't know why I was crying. I didn't know why I was having all of this. Really, it was pain, kind of like expressing itself through sadness and um, and confusion and a lot of other things. And so there I am, 2008, 2009. And my parents are, are trying to console me. They don't know what to do. And... Uh, and all that's coming out of me, you know, my like my words to try and bring to try and bring some words to what I was feeling was I, I did it all for you. I remember saying, you know, I, I but I did it all for you. Like I <laughs> this was all for you. I wanted to I wanted to make you happy. I wanted to, you know, do these things so that you'd be proud of me. I wanted to all, all of these things started just coming to the surface about maybe like how i had been living my life. And, you know, the approval I was trying to seek that I really already had. And I remember them being very confused. And they were looking at me like, but, you know, you, all we want is for you to be happy. All we want is for you to to live your life. Like, that's all we've ever wanted for you. And, and I remember being, like, confused because I was thinking to myself, well, if that's what you wanted, I... I don't have it right now, whatever it is I don't have right now I don't feel that, and the confusing part for me, and I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up, and I want to start here because this is the this story encapsulates a lot of people's reality. The confusing part for me was that I was doing you know all the things, the checklist things um, and it wasn't working i was I was kind of like trying to live my life based on what I believe were other people's expectations for me. And it wasn't working for me. Uh, other people might might have been proud of me. Other people might have been happy for me. Other people might have seen me and said, hey, you know, you're doing, you're doing good with your life. That's great. Um, but for me personally, I I didn't feel that. And so when it came down to it, you know, and you put your head on that pillow at night, like, if you don't, if you don't feel that, um, that peace, that joy, that freedom in your own life, and you're, you're operating out of living up to everybody else's expectations, that's going to catch up with you. And so for me, what I tried to do is I tried to do my way out of that. I tried to, to just do more, to accomplish more. And so over the course of those next several years, what that looked like was, um, you know, me just, just seeking more, more approval, so I had that moment in 2008, 2009. I'm at the kitchen table. I had that breakdown, And that wasn't the last time. You know, I, I just, I, I kind of use it as a reset, like, okay, something is wrong here, but I didn't know how to reset. I didn't know how to actually make a change, like sustainable change. And nobody really kind of understood what was going on inside of me. and And so I kind of continued operating out of that motivation of trying to seek approval and performance which is really a function of like my low self-esteem, right? And, and so then I find myself in a place where in 2011, I'm graduating college, and now these doors open up for me to go work on Wall Street. And so to everybody else, like, that's great, right? And I hadn't even made that a, an explicit pursuit when I went into college, when I got through most of college. It was kind of a last-minute thing. I was like, hey, let me, you know, this seems like a good opportunity. I want to go to New York, The world's bigger than Virginia, where I was born and raised. So maybe there's something more for me there. Maybe it's not here. Maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to be in a faster-paced environment. Maybe I need to be achieving more, accomplishing more, making money. Uh, Maybe I need to be doing these things and getting prestige, status, whatever it might be, power by the world's standards, whatever it is. And man, did that provoke more insecurity. Did that provoke a lot more insecurity. So there I am, 2011. After I finished an internship um, at a big bank and I remember finishing the internship and it was nothing to do with the bank. It was everything to do with me. I was starting to like get sick inside realizing, wow, first of all, you know, I don't know how I made it through that summer um, because I felt just totally unhealthy, drained of energy, didn't know how to take care of myself. I get out of that summer and I'm like, there's a job offer in front of me and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, this is like, this is what I want, but it's not how I want to feel. So I was very conflicted, again, and this was maybe a more pronounced explanation of that. And so I have this job offer and I don't feel right, but I decide to take it because I think to myself, well, how can I turn it down? So, okay, so 2011, there I am, and I'm in what I call the motorboat in life, right? Where you think you have full control over everything until the gas runs out. Well, the gas was running out. When we operate, and some of you guys know these people, right? And I have been this person. When we operate trying to control everything in our lives, i.e. the motorboat, right? And we believe the lie that we're in full control of our lives. Well, guess what happens when the gas runs out? You're surprised, right? You're totally surprised. You're like, how in the world did this happen? How did I end up here, right? And then you start questioning everything. And so for me, the gas hadn't run out yet. But I had signs and signals that the gas, the gas was not going to last, and I didn't pay attention to it. So I said, okay, let's do this whole, let's do this thing in New York. Let me go to New York and get a job on Wall Street. And I was motivated by you know, unbridled ambition, really, uh, unhealthy motivation. Ambition's not bad, but when it doesn't have any boundaries, it is. And so what that led is to me burning myself out. So I, I had a job offer I started the next year. And I'm in New York City, and I don't have any boundaries around my life. I don't have really anybody holding me accountable to anything. Um, and especially as you start, you know, getting into the the realm of like, oh, you're, you've found some success in life, and you're, you're making some money, and you're self-sufficient, and all these other things, it starts, you start believing the lie. You start believing the lie that like, oh, I don't really need all these other things in my life. But, you know. It was strange because as the gas was running out, and like I said, in the motorboat, I was believing the lie that I was in full control of my life, and then the gas was running out, and I didn't want to actually accept the fact that I couldn't control everything in my life. I was still trying to hold on. And what that looked like was maybe overworking, maybe trying to prove my worth at work, maybe trying to, you know, especially when it came to dating, I was like so lost when it came to dating and trying to prove my worth in relationships. Um, and even just find significance in how women responded to me. Um, I had a like major, major insecurity start coming up about just my self-image and how people perceive me. And all the while, I'm not taking care of my body physically. And so as all that's happening, right, as I'm kind of white-knuckling my life, there's, there's God knocking at the door. And what that looked like for me, right, what that looked like for me was I was actually just kind of open-handed like God there's got to be something more but I didn't know it you know because I'm my behaviors were still were still white knuckling my behaviors were still trying to control everything but in my heart I was open-handed like hopeful is the best way I can put it and so I was really hopeful that there would be something more and I just was starting to lose hope that I would find it. Right? So I was hopeful there's something more than what I had but I was starting to lose hope that I would find it. And so I'm on this journey that started to become my awakening my spiritual awakening And, you know, really that happens when you lose things. When you lose something, you lose uh, an idea of what you thought was going to bring you satisfaction in life. Maybe you lose a big relationship or the idea of a relationship, which happened to me several times. Maybe you lose um, uh, just like a general sense of motivation. And I was starting to realize that that was happening, too. I would wake up and I was totally like... Not motivated for anything anymore, and I was—it was so strange because I didn't know the difference between like chronic fatigue that was physical, and like the fact that um, there could be other things happening that uh, that I needed to deal with. And so, I, I just didn't understand. I thought it was like, oh, this must be me if I can't if I don't have energy and motivation to wake up and go to work then it must be the job and it must be something I need to change. Maybe it's my lifestyle, maybe it's the job choice. Maybe it's but really it was like I wasn't taking care of myself. And so that's gonna catch up to anybody, right? And for me, so what I started to realize is is all these things started coming to the surface. I started to lose a lot of things, ideas, relationships, motivation, all these things. And I started to question everything, question my approach to life. And meanwhile, God's still knocking, God's still like kind of Um, you know, inviting me in to say, hey, TJ, is there a better way? And what that looked like for me at the time was I started going to a church, a non-denominational Christian church. I grew up in religion and Catholicism. uh, And then I I went to New York and I was like, I have no idea. I have no, I always had faith in God. I didn't know the revelation of Jesus or even the Father's heart. Like I didn't understand any of that. Personal relationship, didn't understand any of that. Um, I had always prayed. But nobody really, to my knowledge, like taught me how to pray from, from you know, the time I can remember where I would be praying at night by myself. And I carried that with me all throughout my life. I would pray at night and sometimes pray in the morning. And it was a little bit more religious and ritual rather than out of relationship and desire um, and healthy motivation for connection with God. But it still happened. And so it cultivated something, some kind of belief in my life. And as I'm, as I'm getting into this time in 2012 and 13 and 14, I'm starting to realize, um, actually, it's, it's really the fear of me without any healthy input in my life, without any healthy authority. And so what that looked like for me was I started to realize the fear of me with my quiet, self-destructive tendencies. In other words, you know, for example, uh, I started playing cards when I was 12 I learned how to play poker, like every kind of poker, all throughout high school, et cetera. And those habits ended up just creeping in and becoming something that I would go to to cope um, when I didn't know how to deal with my own emotions, articulate them. So that story back in 2009 where I'm at the, 2008 or nine where I'm at the kitchen table, my parents' kitchen table, I don't know how to articulate my emotions. Well, I had really blunted my emotions most of my life uh, because I either believed that I was too sensitive, or I believe, you know, they weren't valid or I didn't even know or have help articulating them or whatever it might be. And so then how would I deal with them? Well, I would cope. I would cope through performance or overworking or for in this example, playing cards. And so that became a really unhealthy uh, thought process. The way, the way that I started thinking and developing, you know, my thought processes from, uh, from this habit unhealthy habit that started as something to cope, it turned into something that started to become self-destructive because I had such low self-esteem. I didn't like what I was doing. Really, it was about not so much what I was doing, but who I was who I was becoming. And so I would really like try and find outlets by going and gambling. And so I started to see as I started to make money, I would then lose a lot of that money um, going to gamble. And it would be like my outlet and it would be quiet. Like it was, um, I remember at times, like I went to Vegas a bunch of times and did things. I'm just like, man, this is not who I am. Lost thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, made tens of thousands of dollars. Um, just some wild, like swings of ups and downs. And, and it was kind of like my, my excitement for my life because I didn't like my day-to-day life that much. So, As I started going through 2012, 13, 14, here I am kind of living this quiet life, trying to figure out my own personal life and feeling just totally exhausted. Uh, Anytime I'm on the weekends or uh, time off work, whether it's after work or whatever, I'm I'm misguided. I'm lost. uh, I know something's wrong, but I don't even know where, where to begin. I'm not taking care of myself, and I have unhealthy, quietly destructive habits that are starting to creep in. So you can imagine this is a recipe for a disaster, right? And that's what happened in my life. That's what happened, a disaster. I mean, I say a disaster, like, you know, we're not talking natural disaster in this case, but we're talking like I basically self-destructed several times uh, over the course of the last 10 years. And the next time that that really became apparent was as I started to see that it was affecting me, um, like, In my emotion, my irritability, like I would become super irritable and super disgusted with people. I would would become uh, kind of ruthless, like the the worst parts of me would come out just in my day to day conversations when I would have impatience for people, severe judgment of people um, and all these things that were maybe sure some cultural, maybe where I was working, who I was working with, I don't know. Um, but it was a lot of like me. I take responsibility because I was not healthy. I didn't have the right energy. And if your energy sucks, your mindset sucks. And so that's what started happening to me is my mindset really started to like go south. And so I didn't like who I was. I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like who I was becoming. That's a really tough spot to be in. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people who might understand or at least empathize. While God is knocking this whole time, I'm like slowly starting to answer, okay? And what that means is I start going to this church, non-denominational church. I start understanding, wow, this is less about ritual and more about a personal encounter with God, which I didn't have words for. I start recognizing, oh my gosh, there's like something that my soul is getting that on a day-to-day level, my soul is missing, and so I thought, you know, at first I'm like, gosh, it's, it's found in a church. I'm talking a building. And then I started realizing, wait, this is happening outside of the church building. In other words, my soul was getting refreshed, nourished. Uh, I was starting to find life again outside of the church building. And, and it started happening through this. I'll never forget this one moment is the first, first kind of step in that journey was It was when my prayer life went from private to more public. And what I mean by that is I had always been and kept my faith very personal and very quiet. And then I remember one day, um, the church that I was going to said, does anybody need prayer? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know what I need, but I'm weeping (laughs) in public. And so I definitely need something. And nobody had ever prayed for me, to my knowledge in front of me, at least uh, maybe quietly, but they never told me. And so I go up and I actually get prayer, and I get prayer from a guy named Simon. And I remember he's looking at me and he's smiling, he's laughing, and he's he's laughing not at me, but he's laughing because he knows of what he knows what God is doing, and he knows it's a good thing. And so that to me was one of the first, I would say. Uh, turning points, uh, good points of my awakening that I started to realize, wait a second, I'm not as lost as I think I am, or if I am, I'm at least heading in the right direction. And from that point on, because here's what happened, from that point on, I actually started by bringing my faith to from private to public, I actually started to see that God would enter my life if I give him permission. And it's not that he was absent from my life before, maybe I hadn't seen him, but because I was giving him permission, I was more readily able to, to experience him, have encounters with him throughout my day-to-day. And so that's when I really started to notice that, I, that God was starting to encounter me in my day-to-day. And what that looked like is I started having a, what I call personal awakening in my heart, where I started really like having compassion for people that I would see. And compassion for me looked like people on the street, at least initially, homelessness. It was one of the first things that really started to turn my heart where I really actually felt fulfilled in my life, where I would just sit, I would literally sit on the curb with homeless people for sometimes an hour, and I would just hear their stories. I would ask them questions, I would hear their stories. I would want to know all about them. I would want to know all the things that they're doing. I would want to know how they got to where they were, what they needed, what they could do to get out of their situation. If they needed, you know, this, that, or the other food, whatever it might be. And God just started giving me this tremendous, like, compassion and capacity. Capacity, honestly, I didn't even know I had because I couldn't even take care of myself. But there I am sitting with people, having these real deep encounters where people start weeping. And I start praying for them. And, you know, of course, there's some people who are like, dude, go away. I'm like, hey, man, love you. (laughs) Have a good day. Okay. And then there's other people where it's like this like this is a moment with God. And so I started having these conversations and those grew and grew and grew while I'm also experiencing these self-destructive tendencies, which were growing and growing and growing. And I was becoming somebody I wasn't. So you can see this inner conflict where I'm thinking, oh, man, is the only way to have fulfillment to leave my job and just go talk with homeless people like that's what was happening inside my mind. I was thinking, oh, there's no way I can actually have fulfillment in my life. Get what I'm actually looking for unless I don't make money and just sit on the street and be happy. And I was like, this is uh, this was a crazy kind of like, what am I heading in the wrong direction with my life? Do I need to drop everything and start all over? And that, even that mentality of dropping everything and starting all over was a reflection of the extreme mentality that was unhealthy that I developed over years and years of my life. And so as I was, um, was kind of growing in this conflict of who I was becoming and who God was actually asking me to be, who he made me to be in his design, right? A man of compassion, a man of capacity for others, Um, a man who actually wanted to pour into other people, other people's, other people's lives rather than just, you know, live his life for himself. As I was starting to see this conflict grow and grow and grow, I started to ask myself, man, you know, like, is the life that I'm leading the life that I really uh, am made for? Is this who I truly am? And with that, you know, back to this idea of the extreme mentality, it came with all these other questions of, you know, people that I'm, that I'm friends with or, you know, the things that I do or the places I go. And I said, all these things started coming into question in my awakening. And I'm there I am thinking to myself, gosh, well, if I'm not the person I'm becoming in this self-destructive kind of way, and I am the person God's asking me to be, who he's designed me to be, and I think that the only way to do that or be that is to drop everything in my life, relationships, job, even location, and change to this other kind of path for me where maybe I just give my time. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? I didn't have all the answers in 2015, okay? I didn't have how that was going to happen. All I knew was that I had to trust that God is greater than myself and that he knows more than I know. In other words, what I don't know uh, is far greater than what I do know. There's a perspective that I have that is uh, very limited relative to the perspective that God has. And again, it goes back to this idea that I was mentioning earlier when they asked in that church setting, I'm talking the building setting, um, where they were asking, hey, does anybody need prayer? And I submitted and said in my heart, I need prayer because I need help because whatever I'm doing isn't working. That was the shift that started to open me up to the possibility that I don't know everything. That was the shift from the motorboat where you're in full control of your life to what I call at least the path to the sailboat, which is where you wanna be. But what happened for me, okay, and I'll explain the sailboat in a minute, but what happened for me was I ended up in the raft. And the raft is where you feel powerless. The raft is where you feel powerless. It's where you surrender your life but you actually start to believe the lie that you don't have control over anything. And so for me, that's what happened. I started to surrender my life from the motorboat where I was in full control because I realized self-destructive tendencies, the person I was becoming, that's not who I'm made to be, that's not what I want to do. So I submitted resignation. I had a promotion and I submitted resignation because I just trusted God's going to lead me. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going. I made up all kinds of stories about it, meaning like the ideas of what I was going to do next, but I had no idea. And so I was just open to the fact that maybe there's a better way and God has a plan. But then I fell into the trap that I was powerless and that I just need to go wherever the wind blows. And so while being powerless, I started to realize that I was just falling back into the old habits of control. Because when you surrender your life and when you actually say to God, okay, God, I give you authority over me, meaning I submit to you as my leader, as my Lord, as my savior, I submit to you, the lie is that, well, then you don't actually have any control over your decisions, over your destiny, over anything. And while he may know the beginning and the end, I really believe he gives us a choice in how we get there. He has promises for us, we have potential. A lot of people, I don't think, fulfill their potential because they actually don't make the choices that are going to get them there. So for me, I started to realize, wait, uh, this whole surrender thing is scary. So I went back to trying to control everything. And that's what led me in 2016 to being completely broke, directionless, not knowing who I was, where I was going, even though I had ideas of like, oh, maybe I should start coaching or maybe I should start doing this or that. It led me to this place where I was like trying to control my future so much. I was so limited in my thinking. I was so limited in the ways in which I was trying to actually decide for my career, for my relationships, all these things. But at the same time, I was trying to live a surrendered life. And I call it living with an open hand. I was trying to like actually give my life to God, but I didn't want to give it fully because I was afraid that it wouldn't be what I wanted. And so that disconnect there is what leaves people in this powerless state where they, especially people that have that spiritual awakening, where they start recognizing, wow, God is real. And if he's real, I want to honor him, please him because I love him. But at the same time, if you don't have an understanding of who he is, then you might think that he wants you to live like this trapped, uh, less than fulfilled life when really it's not about... um, Him wanting you to be happy so much as it is, you're gonna be most fulfilled when you actually live with him first. And like what he has for you is good, and what he has for you is better than what you could do on your own. And I didn't realize all of that. I didn't fully trust him, but I was slowly starting to let go. So I'm in this wrestle between the motorboat and the raft, the motorboat and the raft, trying to control everything, letting go of everything, trying to control all these decisions about my future giving it to God and saying, okay, I trust you. And maybe actually I don't have any control. So I'll just try and like sit here and read the Bible all day um, and kind of continue with my old ways. And that's what was happening. And so in 2016, after I'd moved out of New York, I moved to Richmond. I moved back to New York within a few months. God convicted me. There's this whole thing. I ended up relationship. I ended up getting into stock options in the market, losing all my money. I ended up going through some, getting some help and getting a couple days of one-on-one facilitation, coaching, and then realized, okay, there's some paths for me, there's some opportunity, but I was still afraid. I was still scared to take those steps because I was afraid of what other people would think, which, you know, fear of man will absolutely kill your dreams. Um, And so I'm going through this whole process, and I'm going through these things, and I get into really right at the end of 2016 – And I start doing things that actually matter to me. I start actually coaching um, and helping people. And I start seeing that you can make some money helping people. And I'm like, man, what does this all mean? Because I thought that, you know, if you were gonna really help people and feel fulfilled and have your soul like come alive, that you couldn't make money. Like these two ideas didn't connect with me. And what I realized is I actually needed to be in a position where um, I didn't need to, but I happened to find myself in a position where I didn't have any money. I didn't really have another choice. I was like, well, I could go back and do what I did before because I didn't have any money or I can do what I've always done. And that's when God stepped in. And 2015, 16 is really when I started having what's called this revelation. I started getting people encountering me, uh, people I've never met before, speaking into my life saying, you know, you're called to speak to nations, uh, to nations, to tear out bondage and and deep-rooted bondage in people's hearts to set them free. There's a new season for you. All these things, and I'm like, I don't know what this means. I don't know who you are. Uh, They're giving me words to encourage me, uh, and really they're speaking directly into my life. Like I start weeping. And so it's called prophecy, and prophecy is meant to strengthen or, or encourage you to be empowered to live the life that you have ahead of you and that God has for you. And so it's not fortune telling or anything like that. But I start receiving this, you know, from different people. And then I actually start getting practical help. You know, like a friend says, hey, I'm, I'm be praying for you. I've been praying for you. And, um, you know, I know we've talked about the whole money thing and I want to gift you money. And then I have a vision for an event and I want to start this event. And I'm really scared because I'm afraid of what other people will think. Um, And so then I start this seminar called Welcome to Yourself. And so some of these things start getting traction. And within three and a half months, I actually start getting paid to speak. So I'm like, wow, that's wild. When you actually take action, uh, things happen. And so having lived my life for so long, taking action and seeing the really the negative consequence, which was me running myself into the ground, I was like, no, I don't want any part of it if it's going to happen, I want God to do it. And that's powerlessness. And so then this other part, you know, the sailboat is where we want to live. And that's where I started recognizing if it's going to happen, I want God to do it. And I'm going to take action, do my part in the natural, in the scene, in the world that I live in, and let him do his part in the supernatural, the unseen, the things that couldn't happen without him. And so for me, what that looked like is I just you know acting in faith, starting reaching out to people saying, "Hey, I'm doing this event," and then getting people to show up for that event. People that you know are total strangers that walk in and say, "I was just literally pulled here. I just really felt like God pulled me here, to this event." Um, and me, mind you, I was charging for the event, so they not only got pulled, but they had to pay. And so I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, this is possible." And I start I start really questioning everything I'd been believing. How through the, the faith in action that I had been living. And so I start to see this come to fruition over the course of the next three and a half, four months. And then I'm kind of put on pause again as my dad's, you know, he, he got diagnosed with cancer. And so the sickness really sets in, it becomes pretty bad. And then over that summer, he passes away and it's a very traumatic experience. And so now we're in 2017 and mind you, you know, I feel light years away from where I had, where I'd been and the life I'd been living on Wall Street. I, I'm feeling completely like I don't know where I am because the person I am is so different from the person I'd been. And yes, there was so much to grow and change, heal from, but I was also living such a different life. I didn't know how to reconcile any of this difference. And I think a lot of people, when they go through their spiritual awakening would agree, they start recognizing, wow, like I see life differently. I see, I am different and I see life differently. So what does that mean about everything before this time? You know, before I really had the encounter with God and that thing changed me. What, what do I, how do I even address this? And that includes relationships, relationships. And so I think that, in part, is one reason why this topic, just kind of catching up on the last 10 years, was important to me, because there's so many relationships that I care about. And I've talked with people individually and had some conversations. There's so many relationships I care about that I just didn't know how to articulate and fit in all these different things. Mind you, you, know, I'm having all kinds of things happen up until this point in 2017 when my dad passes. You know for me, the encounters with God started becoming so real. I started having, you know, I'll never forget when I started dating my wife. And I talked about it on the relationship podcast in season four. I have a podcast called Mindset. And in season four, it's all about relationships. And I talk about this one encounter I had this one night when I was just starting to get to know my wife at the time, we weren't even dating yet. And I had this experience where I'm like levitating overnight and then I feel like something's being yanked out of me and this was all because I got a word from God about speaking out saying the our father 10 times for my purity. I didn't understand what any of that meant, but I just I was starting to learn to hear God's voice and that was becoming real to me. And so I did it. Nobody was nobody told me anything. It was just me in my own kind of space, my room, quiet place. And so I did it and that night I go through what's called deliverance or freedom, where I actually have this experience where something is being pulled out of me. Something's being rooted out of me. Over the course of the next several years, even just in my relationship with my wife, all these things about purity start to come to light. All these things in counseling that start happening, start to come up about purity and how all that happened in my life and, and like where purity kind of went away, which purity, by the way, was, in was, the way I'm talking about it is not just about like, um, you know, You know, having sex before marriage or not. It's to me, it was so much more about what God wanted to speak into my life about, you know, my heart and like purifying my heart and the way that I saw women specifically. Um, And that's another, we talked about gambling and how that was a coping mechanism. In many ways, I had certain aspects of relationships with women that were also coping mechanisms. And so I started to see that and those would become highlighted to me and I would start to feel really guilty or. Um, really ashamed of like how I treated people or things I'd done. And then God would kind of uh, gently give me reminders that I'm forgiven, but not, you know, in that same breath, it was like, but you need to change, you know, it was like, and you need to change. And so I forgive you, but like, yes, you need to change. There's a, there's a, there's another way. And so that's called conviction, not that he was condemning or bringing guilt. He was showing me in my heart, just like I was having compassion for others as I was walking along the street, he was showing me in my heart, like, wait a second, there's there's something so much better for you. And I want you to live that way. And I want you to live differently than how you've been raised. Not, I'm not speaking negatively about anybody that was a part of my upbringing. I'm speaking about my lack of understanding. I'm speaking about the fact that I just didn't really recognize Fully, that there were choices that were not only better for me, but better for other people, and I didn't really understand. You know, I saw things as rules rather than um, like a, a choice to actually live a life that God would want to bless me in. And so, as I started to get some of this understanding, and I had to relearn a lot, um, He started to show me through these personal encounters and through all these things. He started to show me, and even through Scripture, that's how a lot of this started in Proverbs. Just reading Proverbs. Like, TJ, there's such a different way of living. And so I'm in 2017, and now I'm starting to go through healing. My father's been sick, and, and I'm reconciling all these things in my life. I'm starting to reconcile, you know, well, if I had to, you know, look back at my life, and maybe I made decisions, some are good, some are bad, and not everything I've done is bad or out of the wrong motivation, but maybe the way that I kind of approached my life for success and accomplishment and significance was uh, there, maybe there was a better way. I'm starting to ask myself, well, what does it mean for all the people that, you know, have been a part of my life? What does it mean for all the places that I've been in my life, whether it was, you know, different work environments, whether it was different places I lived, whether it was you name it. And for me, what I had to come to was the realization that I needed to work on me. And I think a lot of people get confused here because they start thinking about all the other things. They start thinking about all these people. They start thinking about their obligations, expectations. And if you've been watching or listening this whole time, you'll remember I talked about the idea of that breakdown for me in 2008, 2009, when I was saying that, man, I I did everything for you. Speaking to my parents at their kitchen table, I did everything for you so that you could be happy. And there was a lot of sadness and pain in that. And they were telling me, hey, but no, we just want you to be happy. like we want you to live your life. And I didn't understand that because i had been living under the idea of meeting others' expectations. And when you've been living that way for most of your life, living to meet others' expectations, it's a big change mentally. It's a big change to actually uh, give yourself permission to work on yourself. It's a big change to let go of the idea that other people are expecting you to show up for them or expecting you to be a friend or expecting you to, uh, you know, meet um, unhealthy expectations, frankly, you know, because you've done so for so long uh, because you wanted to manage other people's responses and you didn't want to bear the consequence of their unhappiness. So you managed their expectations and maybe did so in an unhealthy way. Like it's, it's a big change when you have to do that and you have to say, you know what? I got to put boundaries around me. Earlier, I was talking about how I lived boundaryless. God was showing me how to put boundaries around myself. He was showing me how to do it through um, not giving attention to everybody else. And the only way that I was really able to do that was when I recognized how bad the pain was within me, how bad the hurt was within me. And that was revealed to me when my dad died. That was revealed to me because that was one of the deepest, that was one of the deepest wounds I could have had. And it opened up, and I say one of the deepest because it actually opened up deeper wounds. So when you ex- when you experience pain or loss in your life, what happens, what a lot of people don't talk about or, or bring to light is that it actually surfaces other moments or experiences of pain or loss in your life. So it's like, imagine you're on the ocean and there's nothing but water. And then you see one buoy come up and then that buoy... Uh, starts to bring up all these other buoys. And now you've got an ocean of buoys. And those buoys represent all the stuff that's been sitting at the bottom of the ocean floor that you just haven't seen, known to address, known how to address for however many years that you've been alive. And some of those things, some of those buoys that come up off the ocean floor, some of those things are generational. Some of those things are even before you were even born. And for me... What I had to do, what I didn't know about, and I'm, th- I'm just so thankful to God they didn't tell me everything before it happened because I would have been like, I'm not up for this journey. What I had to do is I had to actually go through a lot of healing. I had to go through a lot of healing. And so what that looked like practically was getting healthy personally. And I didn't have the money at the time, but I started hiring professionals to help me. Personal trainers, a friend was going and seeing a personal trainer to support his business. And he, I thank God for this, for this person. You know who you are who said, hey man, let's go train together. And I I was starting over in my life and I needed that so bad. And exercise helped me heal so much. And it was because it wasn't done in the way in which I'd done it all along out of that unhealthy motivation to destroy myself, to destroy my body. I was learning how to exercise to help myself heal. I was learning how to exercise to actually help myself take my mind off of my own grief and pain. I was learning how to exercise in a way that would take my attention away from the things that I had that I didn't know how to do that day that I didn't know how to do. Um, like, I was using exercise truly as medicine, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so, so thankful to those people, you know exactly who you are, who helped me on, get back started on that journey, because exercise really helped me. But then I also started hiring other people, registered dietitians. Um, I also started hiring a counselor. So I started going through all these things and I was like, no shame, I'm going full stop at taking care of me. And you know, what's funny is I wasn't even doing it out of like a selfish, really like deep, oh, I got to take care of myself. I'm motivated by other people. And at the time I was starting to coach other people and I recognized that there were a lot of things that they needed to know um, and do and do in terms of taking care of themselves because people were asking these questions about How do I find purpose? How do I get direction and clarity in my life and all these things they are getting five hours of sleep? And I'm like, dang, guys, like I've been there. I know that doesn't work. And so while I was on my journey, I started recognizing other people needed the very same thing. And, you know, if you can't have a clear head, how are you supposed to figure out what you do next with your life? Like if you can't be present, how are you supposed to find purpose? Because purpose really is found day to day in the present. Yes, there's big calling purpose, but there's like a purpose for you showing up at the gas station, saying hi to somebody making their day. And most people aren't present enough to even experience that or understand that. And so I started seeing this in my own life. I started saying, man, I need to change. But I started saying that because, and I started seeing that because I saw other people needed me to do it with them and for them as in a way of leading. And so for me, that was what motivated me. So if you're listening and you're like, man, you know, I don't know how to even bring myself to give myself permission to focus on me. Allow that to motivate you. Other people need you. And if you're that type of person, and allow that to motivate you. What I saw happen over the course of that time, so let's just call it 2017 now to 2020, let's call it three years of counseling. I had inner healing and all these things happened during prayer. I had this, oh gosh, this incredibly powerful experience where I went through generational healing a year before I met my biological father, who I ended up finding out was not the guy on my adoption papers. Um, and which happened to be two years to the date after my dad died. My dad died July 23rd in 2017, two years later to the date, July 23rd, 2019, I wake up to an email from my biological father after we'd been connected through so-and-so, so-and-so and, uh, end up finding out, wait a second, we didn't know that this is not the same person on my adoption papers. And, uh, and... Ever since then, you know, I, I discovered this whole new element, whole new th- side of me that I didn't even understand, I didn't even know, part of my own legacy, right? And my own life. But had I not gone through that healing, had I not gone through, and maybe I left out for some of you who don't know I'm adopted, <laughs> but now you know, but had I not gone through that healing during that journey, right, over those several years' time then I wouldn't have been ready to receive that gift, that blessing that was given to me of getting to connect with biological family, right? Because I would have been, what, from a motivation of, I have need. Maybe I need to be striving. Maybe I need to be performing. Maybe I need to be something that I'm not, someone that I'm not for these people, this person, to try and prove my worth or significance. And because God had already affirmed that to me and I had made that or had that understanding that that was real in my own heart through my personal relationship, encounters with him, through really re- like reading scripture and getting that in, inside of me as I was having all of these other things happen in, my, in the spirit, spiritually, I, I would have not been where I needed to be to really receive that blessing. And that's just one example, right? But there are so many other examples along the way, whether it was working with certain people, you know, whether it was inviting certain people into my life, like my wife and her family, all of these things. So the kind of message that I have you take away from that is, as we talked about earlier, the motorboat, where you think you're in control of everything, but then you realize the gas runs out, and then you might believe the lie that you're in the raft, right? And that's the powerlessness, Right, You just let God do whatever with your life, to go wherever with your life. But I started to realize that there is this third idea, and there's, there's a, um, I think this idea, the boats actually themselves, this idea came from leaders who last. Um, I believe there's so many books and things I've take, like, taken good wisdom to like develop my thoughts. I can't name with certainty, but I want to say it's leaders who last. And this idea of the boats really resonates with me, and I've used it many times because it, it, you know, and I've elaborated on this because it makes so much sense. If if we're not meant to live in the motorboat and in in the raft, well, then what boat are we meant to live in? And that is the sailboat. And it's, for me, like the epitome of this journey over the last 10 years has been learning how to live in the sailboat, learning how to live with an open hand, recognizing I can submit to God and his authority as a leader, as a father um, of my life. He's like the the one I give full authority to, right? And I looked for direction and guidance from, but then then also recognizing that I have decisions, that I have choice, that I have certain things that I can be doing to get me in the right direction. And for a lot of that time in my life, really, I didn't know what direction to go. And so, if you think about this metaphor of the sailboat, it was really about me putting the sails down because I don't know where I'm going, putting the sails down and doing the hard work of like actually working on myself. And so, excuse me, as that happened, I started to see, oh my gosh, there's there's like so many things that were needed for me to be stronger and ready. And as I did that work on myself, and as I allowed God to really do work in me, healing, deep healing in my heart, but also changing the things that I think about in my mind and the way that I live my life on a day-to-day basis, and even how I approach work and all these other things, as I did that, I started to see, oh my gosh, like, I actually have control or power over my destiny, over my future, decisions that I can make. But I need to know, like, which way I'm meant to be going, which, which direction, I'm meant to be going because I can't control which way the wind blows. But if I'm meant to be going north and the wind's blowing, you know, behind me to get me there, then I need to have my sails up. And if I don't, then I might miss my opportunity. And so it started to change how I looked at life thinking, hmm, if everybody says, well, life is about timing, well, then how do you know the right timing? And for me, it was really a growth in learning to hear the voice of God. And so I started to learn to hear the voice of God. I started to invite him into my life daily. It didn't become some religious thing. It was literally like the way that I talked about it earlier, me walking on the street with homeless people and just seeing them and just having conversation because I was prompted and out of compassion. Well, that started happening like all kinds of places, all kinds of people. I mean, like any age, any background, whatever you like, anything, it just started happening. God would give me a word about somebody. There would be some, you know, somebody would get healed. Um, I remember a guy's leg in Austin, he had, he had, his leg was super swollen and it was filling out his jeans right at his calves. They were so, the, the jeans were so tight because his calf was so swollen. And I remember praying for him and I start getting, and it's called the joy of the Holy Ghost because I start praying over his calf and the swelling goes down and his jeans start getting baggy and I start just like being filled with so much joy because this man and I are standing there having this moment as he's like, his calf swelling is going down. It didn't go down all the way. It probably went down a good like quarter of the way as jeans started to get baggy again. And we're just standing there laughing. And it was amazing. And I was like, man, this is what God's doing. And this is the most fulfilling thing to me. And he was doing more of that, not just me walking around on the street. He was doing more of that as I would even invite him into the work that I was doing. Because the more healing I got, the more healing and freedom other people were getting. Um, The more that I was like doing the work, And actually doing the disciplines is what I call it. You know, the more that I saw other people benefit from it. And so that started happening then in conversations. It wouldn't look the same in work conversations, but then people would be on the phone and I would get it. Oh, you know, let's see what God has to say about this. I'm thinking that in my head and I'm like, hey, you know, I get this impression and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, whoa, that is literally like my life pattern I've been stuck in forever. And it's like the perfect picture of that pattern in my life. I've been chasing things around and really I need to be still and actually receive. And so the image of a, you know, this, uh, the most recent one I'm thinking of, of this example is a parking meter. Got a picture of a parking meter and they're like, oh my gosh, I just need to sit there and receive rather than trying to f- chase it around. And so they started getting all of this clarity really through one image that God was giving them on the phone with me, right? And I'm thinking, huh, wow, God's in everything. You just have to invite him in. And so I started to see, wow, this is Holy Spirit, like the wind. And in the Bible, it talks about Holy Spirit as the wind blowing. You don't know which way it's coming from or which way it's going, but you know the sound of it blowing, And that, for me, has been learning to live in the sailboat, which is living open-handed, right? Having all, possessing none, saying, God, you give me this today. You give me the place I'm living in. You give me this opportunity. You give me people to work with. You give me a team. You're my wife. You got all these things. And guess what? They could all be gone tomorrow. Not that you're going to take them away from me, but I know that there are certain things I'm not in control of. And so I accept that, but I want to hear your voice because I want to know what to focus on and what are my priorities, And I'll never forget it. You know, a mentor of mine, I asked him one day, he's a super successful guy, Fortune 100 company right now, went through a lot, was eight years in jail, largest white collar crime, one of the largest white collar crimes in criminal history, whole nother story, redeemed life, amazing guy. And uh, I asked him, man, how do you, you're in charge of more, 17,000, 20,000 employees, how do you manage your priorities? And he said, well, if I'm just prayerful about him, then I trust that whoever's in front of me, God's already prepared. And I'm like, whoa, that is really powerful. And so for me, I started even thinking about that. I'm like, wow, if you're actually inviting God into your life, if you're actually learning to hear his voice, then and you really trust in him, then you're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly where you need to be, right? And so when you think about that, and you're thinking about, well, you know, I question like what should I be doing next and how should I be living out my purpose and all these other things. And it's like, hold on a second if you're truly inviting God into your life, are you exactly where you need to be? The answer is yes. And then the question is, well, what are your priorities? Are you being prayerful about what you need to give your energy and attention to? And there's some practical things that we walk through now, you know, and I've that's the journey that I've been on where I had to really address my health. I had to get free. I had to think about how I'm actually a person of value and impact and why I actually bring that impact to the world. Then how that makes money. That's the journey that I kind of had to go through. Um, but it's no different for you. And So for me, in terms of living in the sailboat, what I've found is there's just a lot more peace. There's a lot more energy, a lot more clarity, a lot more focus, a lot more purpose, all these things. But it took me on this journey. It took me going through this journey where there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of guilt that I put on myself, shame I put on myself for who I was and who I was becoming, decisions I'd made that I hadn't received full forgiveness from. There were a lot of things that I tried and that didn't work and I would get frustrated. And, um, and so I'm sharing all this to say, like, you know, for people who are kind of in that place where you're going through your awakening and you're trying to figure out, I don't, I haven't arrived at all. I don't even think we're ever going to arrive. But what I can say mm-hmm. is that, and I'm talking on this earth, I don't think we're going to arrive. What I can say is I think that people have a huge opportunity to see their life differently. And I always say, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at start to change. And for me, this whole thing is about perspective. And for the last 10 years, even just recapping some of these things, the journey, right? Even just recapping some of these things for me personally has been revealing of like, wow, God's actually brought me through a lot. I haven't shared, you know, all the stories of, of this, that, and the other. But just the just the high level journey of recognizing from that moment in 2008, 2009, when I really had, you know, things going for me but didn't feel it to the point where I was still trying to make that work, you know, 5 years later and it wasn't working. To the point where I kind of came to my own end and I was burned out and I said, "You know what? I got to actually just like let go and I got to just let God in. Give him permission For me, what that looked like was not having clarity about all these things of what was next. It was just being present in the moment. And it was just recognizing that there's only so much I can control and that if this is what I really believe God is asking me to do, well, even if I make the mistake, at least I have the right intent and at least he's bigger than my mistakes. So having all of that understanding, going through these different experiences where I made mistakes and he was still bigger, you know, where I lost all my money and you still had a friend show up saying hey I want to gift this to you you know and then where I even had another slip up with money years later where I had somebody who's almost really a stranger say hey I want to gift this to you you know like he's sharp, he started showing me he started showing me compassion in so many different instances that like TJ I see your heart and I am so much bigger than your mistakes and he started showing me that grace and that grace, I think, is is so important to being able to live your life in that sailboat, you know, that I was talking about. In the way where you're kind of working with God, rather than working against him, uh, rather than working like under him, you know, rather than people say you're not a servant, you're a son or whatever. I don't know, like the church language. But what it is, is it's really understanding kind of your right standing with God and how that you can actually have um some authority in your life even while you give him the authority over your life. And people kind of miss that because they've suffered the consequence of either, like I did, having too much authority and leading to self-destructive tendencies or um, realizing that they don't have authority and that um, that state of powerlessness is really like and I, I guess the kind of the church's way of saying this is like, people need to live in a state of powerlessness because really God's the only one in control. And it's like both of those ideas, I, I get it. But the, the kind of path that is really going to be best for people, healthiest for people, is where they recognize there, there is power of choice. There is power of choice. You're not powerless. Uh, you have power over your choices and God can influence them if you let him. And so for me, the last, the last 10 years of this journey has really been about that. It has really been about letting God in to influence my decisions and learning how to make decisions with him rather than trying to make decisions on my own thinking I know everything, thinking that, you know, my ambition is really the healthy motivation um, or not even really considering whether I had healthy or unhealthy motivation. All those things are worth considering, especially if in your kind of season of awakening. Um, and I would say this, because I mentioned this earlier, when it comes to like that point of recognizing, hey, I'm, I'm a bit of a different person than who I've been. I made conscious decisions that have led me to be a different person. What does that mean about all these people, places, things I've been involved with before? I think, I, I shared about this you know not too long ago, and and I think that it's really important for us to understand that you know outgrowing your upbringing or even your your adult life for some of you, outgrowing that is not dishonoring to the people that supported you, that cared for you, that contributed to your life. It should actually be honoring and um, really like. In a way, it should be lifting them up uh, because of the life that you're living. In other words, that they contributed towards the life that you're living. And a lot of people, I think, miss the fact that you know, it's, it's a good thing to continue growing. Growth is a choice. It's also uh, going to require change. You, know, you can't grow and not change. Um, growth is a choice, and it requires change. And change is not bad. And change can be hard. It's guaranteed in life, but it's not a bad thing. And so I think for thinking about how you can allow yourself to change, it's really important to give yourself permission to recognize that the people of your past, the things you've been involved with are not limitations. And that goes back to that idea of living for other people's expectations. You will limit your growth when you live for other people's expectations. It's good to have a standard for your life, maybe that you've understood as far as what God set for you in that standard. It's not good to live up to other people's expectations as your own standard because um, if you guys are not submitted to the same authority, I guarantee you it's going to be limiting. So for me, as I've learned how to make decisions with God, I've learned that it's important to give him authority, and I've also learned that I have authority, and that's the third boat in life—that's the, the sailboat that I was talking about. So that's just a kind of a catch up over the last ten years. Um, I appreciate you guys being here and following along with the journey. Um, there's a lot of things that obviously I did not include. I left out. Um, I could share more about. And honestly, if you're listening, I'd love to to hear. You know, what is it that resonates with you? Is there something that you're like, man, that is exactly where I'm at today. Because I can tell you what, like I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one and you are not the only one. Uh, A good friend of mine said once, he said, growth takes time and during that time, people won't understand. And I'll be darned (laughs) if people, if I'm living my life for people to understand, right? It's good to be understood, but people are not always going to understand, And so I just want to affirm you in that, that growth takes time. And during that time, people may not understand and you don't need them to, right? Allow the people of your past to be honored by the growth that you're going through. That's what I'll leave you with. All right. Thank you, guys.